Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Thank you all for being a part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, whether it's through a download for a stream, hopefully through a subscription. You're all helping more than you know. Of course, you can rate and review on iTunes, but the best way you can help is by being a part of the premium experience available through Stitcher of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. All you need to do is go to stitcher.com slash notsam, sign up now, and you'll get everything included in the premium Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast experience. That includes this podcast each and every week, completely ad-free, unlike what you're listening to right now, and the exclusive bonus show. It's called Captive Audience. The only place to get it is at stitcher.com slash notsam. And what we do is we watch either a pay-per-view or a TV show or something available on the WWE Network. I hold somebody captive here in the Not Sam studio, somebody that generally wouldn't be watching what it is that we're watching, and I try to explain why wrestling is so cool. I've watched Uncensored 95 with my wife. I've watched WrestleMania 9 with my dad. Uh, A couple weeks ago, watched Halftime Heat with my buddy from high school. This week, after watching the first episode of Raw, we watch the first episode of Nitro. I have my wife in here. We turn on the very first episode of Nitro, and you can watch along with us as I try to explain to Jess the historical context of everything going on and why wrestling is so awesome. It's an experience only available on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Bonus captive audience show comes out every two weeks only at stitcher.com slash notsam. Sign up now and enjoy Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Back in New York, back in the omnipotent Not Sam Studio, here for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Welcome. It's the ultimate wrestling podcast fan experience. I think that's how I thought of it in my head. I was thinking about what this show is. The ultimate wrestling fan podcast experience. That's right. As a wrestling fan, I take you wrestling fans through this journey that we're on. And I happen to be a wrestling fan that uh, gets to do ridiculous stuff with all the superstars uh, that we have here on the podcast and that haven't been on the podcast yet. Uh, As I said, back in New York from Chicago, I spent all weekend in Chicago for Money in the Bank weekend. I was part of the TakeOver Chicago pre-show, what a show. First of all, I get to Chicago, and my first stop, as should yours be, is Pro Wrestling Tees. Pro Wrestling Tees has a retail store, so I go there first, and I was kind of blown away 
Because you never know, you know, pro wrestling tees and one hour tees has been around for a while and they really specialize in their online service, right? I sell t-shirts through prowrestlingtees.com slash Sam Roberts. Many, many, many uh, wrestlers and superstars and everybody, everybody's got a store over at Pro Wrestling Tees. So that's what they specialize in. But you go in and this retail store experience, I had to compliment the guys because I was pretty blown away by what an investment they had made in their retail space. It looks cool. It looks like the type of spot, if I'm a wrestling fan in Chicago, it's the type of spot I want to hang out in. They got t-shirts everywhere. They got stuff that isn't available on the website. They they got shirts that are screen printed. And if they don't have shirts on the shelves, you can they have like a computer up. So you can pull up, like let's say they don't have any Not Sam shirts on the shelves, but that's what you want. There's a computer over there. You can pull it up and order it and within an hour. They just bring it out from the back. They print it out for you and you get it. It's just really, really cool. And it's cool to see representation like that. I can only imagine how busy it's going to get during uh, 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 all-in weekend. But it was awesome to see. It looks like the pro wrestling version of Hot Topic. And I think that's what they were going for. But that's, that's, and Hot Topic is a cool-looking store. Pro Wrestling Tees is a cool-looking store. So if you're in Chicago, check that out. They also do a bunch of autograph signings. And I didn't know what the hours were. I didn't get into Chicago until like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock at night, something like that. And I go, you know, I don't know if Pro Wrestling Tees is still going to be open, but I'll go and check it out. And when I looked up their hours, I saw that Bruce Pritchard, from Something to Wrestle With, was at the store on Friday, last Friday, doing an autograph signing. And I was like, oh, even more reason. So I was going over there anyway, just to check out the store. But Bruce Pritchard's over there. So I go, okay, let me go over there and check out the store and say hi to Bruce as well. I got to uh, not only say hi to Bruce when I got there, I, I found him out on the sidewalk gallivanting with the shady characters of pro wrestling tees. But Bruce does this uh, Dirty Dozen thing where the night before his live events, he has a, a, a bunch of people, they pay for tickets, and they get to go. They meet him at a local eating establishment, bar, whatever it may be, and they go, they get drinks, and they get to sit with Bruce for a couple hours and just ask him questions. And I mean, just to observe the whole process was amazing because it's the fan experience you would want. It's what I would want to do if I wasn't doing it. You know, like I'm I'm lucky enough that I get to ask the questions, but it's even better than what I get to do because, you know, when I have conversations with these guys off the air, you kind of have to act like like a normal person. You know what I mean? Like I kind of feel weird picking people's brains because I almost feel like, ah, they don't want to be talking about this right now. Ah, they don't want to be talking about work right now. Let's just hang out and have a loosey-goosey conversation. When you go to the Dirty Dozen thing, you know what's expected. You know what the event's all about. So you just get to go, you sit down, you have one-on-one access, and you get to pick Bruce Pritchard's brain about all kinds of wrestling stuff. And I just loved being a fly on the wall because everybody showed up knowing what the event was. So everybody showed up with all these smart questions, uh, follow-ups from conversations he's had on the podcast, topics he hasn't covered on the podcast, asking about, you know, why the WWE Network delayed stuff, asking about working with Vince back in the day, asking all kinds of stuff. And Bruce is, you know, he's as forthcoming as you would think he would be. So I thought it was really a really cool way to start the trip to Chicago. Then I end up going to, uh, of course, take over Chicago the next day. 
where I'm co-hosting or, or, or sitting on the panel alongside Charlie Caruso and Pat McAfee. And I just think the world of Pat McAfee and the addition that he is to those kickoff shows because it's such a refreshing change of direction. Not to say anything about anybody else I've done those shows with because everybody knows how much I love doing shows with Booker T and Renee and Otunga and everybody that I've done shows with. But I only say this because Pat McAfee brings something completely different. And quite frankly, something only Pat McAfee could bring to those shows. Just his humor and his and his and his ridiculousness. He can pull off wearing jorts and a top of a suit. He kept calling it a jort suit, but I'm pretty sure it's just jorts and the top of a suit. Uh and some Yeezys. And showing up and then Adam Cole comes in and interrupts the thing and has some words for Pat and he's sitting there kissing EC3's ass and calling me stupid and the whole thing it was just a fun thing to do. And for me, it was one of the most entertaining pre-shows that I think I've been a part of. I thought Charlie was awesome. I thought Pat was awesome. And I love going back and forth with Pat. Uh, it was interesting, you know, I, mo- and, and the feedback that I got was overwhelmingly positive. And I really like how many of you guys like that matchup. You know, like having Pat and myself there on those NXT uh, pre-shows. Because I really like being there with Pat. And I also think that the the dynamic that Pat and I have on those shows, and Charlie as well, but that, that specifically the back and forth that Pat and I tend to have on those shows is unique to those shows, meaning it gives NXT an even more individualized feel, which I think is just cool. You know, Pat comes from the NFL. You know, he kicked off a Super Bowl. He's an athlete. And he's got this amazing podcast with all these followers. So he comes with this credibility on board and and really adds to the thing. Plus, he's a fan. Like, he goes and he actually knows what he's talking about. You know, you can you you throw to him for a comment on something that's going on on the show, and he has an opinion, which is uh, great. It's just great. Um, I, I, I saw some higher-profile tweets from, like, uh, Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer said... Something to the effect of that was the largest, uh, that was, I think it was even before TakeOver Chicago had really got going. It was during the first match or something. And Dave Meltzer said that uh, it was the biggest, had to be the biggest gap in quality between a kickoff show and a main show ever. I don't know if his expectations for NXT TakeOver Chicago were very, very low. If they were, shame on you, Dave Meltzer. I don't know where you're coming from. But... If they weren't, and the implication there is that the TakeOver uh, pre-show was just the worst thing that WWE has ever produced. I don't know what to tell you, Dave. I don't know. I'm not used to this. This isn't what I'm used to. You know, I don't I don't, I don't exactly know what you're looking for, but, you know, I, I, guess, I guess I'll ask, I don't know, the commentators at New Japan if they can give me some tips on stuff. Um, and I'm interested to see what JR thinks, because JR... He tweeted out that he was watching. I was I was mentioned in it like he he added me and Pat McAfee in like the comment section of his photo or whatever, however that works on Twitter. But he said that he was watching the kickoff show and that he was gonna talk about it on his podcast. So at the time of this recording, I don't know, I guess our podcast come out on the same day. But at the time of this recording, JR's show has not come out yet. So I'm very, very anxious to hear what JR uh thought of the of the kickoff show but I just thought it was uh, I, I I like the dynamic that Pat and I have and I think it's uh 
it's unique to us and 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 Pat is a is a force into and of himself and just I I, I think the world of, of what he brings to the show. So very, very happy about that. And then of course I stuck around and uh, was there for Money in the Bank as well, which was just I think Money in the Bank was a great example of what dual branded pay per views can be. You know, I, I, I thought it it moved quickly. Now the crowd was amazing. And I think that that's a couple things. I think it, it was in the, the American Airlines Arena, which is the old Rosemont Horizon, which is a fantastic building. It's an older building. You know, the, the roof is made of wood. The ceiling itself in the arena is wood, which is really, really cool to see. But there's something, I don't know if it's just the way sound travels or if it's just the fact that Chicago has some of the best wrestling fans on the planet. Might be both because the crowd was electric both nights. Um, and and they were electric from the time the, the Money in the Bank kickoff show began until the end of the of the men's Money in the Bank match. Now, there were moments, you know, like, for instance, the Jinder-Roman match. Clearly, you know, the crowd wasn't as into that match as it was the other matches, but that has nothing to do with the fact that it was a long show. That had to do with the fact that it's not a match that, that those fans wanted to see. And they were making that clear. That that did, that wasn't reflective on the decision to make these shows dual branded or the decision to go four hours. It was just reflective on we don't want to see this specific match. I, you know, part of it is definitely that in Chicago we're an hour earlier. So where it ended at like 1130 East Coast time in New York, uh, there in Chicago it was only 1030 at night. So maybe people weren't totally wiped out. But, you know, I thought that the show moved quickly. I thought it was fairly unpredictable. I thought it made sense cohesively. And we'll talk more about it in the State of Wrestling and in the Bridge segment and stuff like that. But uh, I just thought it was a good example of... To me, that show should be the considered the first dual-branded pay-per-view because that show really lets you know what the concept is all about. So, you know, I thought it was great, and I had a great time in Chicago, and I love the people of Chicago. Let's get to what uh, a lot of you guys have been waiting for. So I told you last week we had part one of our interview with Jeff Jarrett, and I heard from a lot of you guys online. I heard from a lot of people in Chicago um, that loved the first half of the Jeff Jarrett interview. If you haven't heard it, of course, just go back and uh, listen to the podcast. Wherever you got this show from, Right under it will be last week's episode, so you can listen to part one there. Uh, This week, last week we left off at the end of Jeff Jarrett's first WWE run. So Jeff Jarrett, I think it's, uh, I don't know, 95, 96. Jeff Jarrett has left WWE. His last program was with Ahmed Johnson, and he came to this conclusion that because he had walked out, so he walked out a few months earlier. Then he comes back because he didn't like where creative was going. He thought they were blowing his storyline with Road Dog too quickly. He just didn't like any of it. So he did his match with Shawn Michaels. He lost the Intercontinental Championship. And instead of doing the bit that, that they wanted him to do, he walked out. And he walked out with Road Dog. Uh, several months later now, Jeff Jarrett comes back. And he realizes that he's not in any position. A lot of people are pissed at him because of the way he handled himself. A lot of people are upset about the fact that he walked out and just, you know, threw a tantrum because he didn't get his way. Vince McMahon wanted him back, but Bruce Pritchard, for instance, did not want Jeff Jarrett back. And the writing was on the wall. He got it. 
He's looking at the fact that, you know, he comes back and he's got this program with Ahmed Johnson and he realizes it's not going to get better for me. So that's when he decides to go to WCW. And that is where this interview picks up. It's the second half of my interview with Jeff Jarrett. He moves on from being Double J in the WWE to being Jeff Jarrett for the first time in WCW. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, it is the second part of my interview with Jeff Jarrett. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Now, was it exciting to get, because you're talking about the opponents that you wanted to work with, you get to WCW, you're working with the Benoits, the Malenkos, the those guys, right off the bat, pretty much. Right off the bat. Kevin Sullivan had worked with my father uh, in the territory. I knew a lot of the names and faces. Um, the NWO was just talking all, taking off. Right. Nitro was... What a year old, if that. I mean, it was. It was. It, yeah, I they think started it, like September '95 was Nitro, so about a year. Yeah. About a year. Um, I think they'd gone to two hours. Um, man, it was. You know, uh, the flair, the four horsemen, just the whole scene was red hot, um, and the Double J character had quite a bit of equity in it. Mm-hmm. Coming off that TV, that was. Yeah. I, I was one of the first. I'll say it's the first, but that character w- was still. It was unique mm-hmm. uh, coming in. I mean, obviously, Kevin and Scott in the main story. All, all of that was there, no question. But I was um, obviously wasn't a part of that group. And the first couple of TVs, is he going to go NWO or whatever? And I went right into the Four Horsemen thing, which I thought was really smart of right. Kevin Sullivan. It, 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 it took, you know, I was coming from WWF, but all of a sudden I went into that. Is he a horseman? Is he not a horseman? Well, it definitely differentiated you because as a, as, as a fan I'm watching going like, oh, Another ex WWE guy is here to join the NWO. Like that's what this thing is. Yes. And no. Oh, Jeff Jarrett's different. I guess. Yes. For better or worse, like Jeff Jarrett stands out. That's why, and right. I love that. Yeah. Uh, because it, yeah, you know, I didn't fit the NWO. Uh, certainly not at that time with the Double J character and all that. And I went into that. Um, and yeah, it, it was. Uh, and then the business was just beginning to just explode. Yes. And you're are you, you're still friends with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash at that point? Oh yeah, yeah. So oh, that's gotcha. kind of a reunion. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you get along with Eric Bischoff at that point? Good, good. I, I didn't know him very well, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, fine, fine. Right, yeah. right. So uh, you only end up there. You didn't want to go into one year, one year, one year. Yeah, you're there. You didn't want to be in the NWO because you wanted to differentiate yourself. No, just, I mean, all of a sudden, just the way the things rolled out. I mean, it goes without saying. I grew up watching Flair. Right. You know. I mean. Right. He, he came in and in, in the Bash, uh, Great American Bash. You know. Um, I can remember there was a, a storyline where Coco Beware, before he was the Birdman, when he was Coco in Memphis, mm-hmm. um, they did a deal, and Flair and Coco had a match in the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis. I can remember as a kid watching it just being, it was, un, I think it's one of the best Flair matches I've ever seen live. Uh, it was just, I mean, the people in Memphis, they were God, they just knew Coco was going to win. Yeah. So, you know, for me to get the opportunity um uh, to, to to work with Flair and and being a four horseman storyline and all of that, I was tickled to death, making great money and and being a part of that. Was there bucket? There was a bucket list quality to being a horseman. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you want to say that, yeah, I, I certainly didn't think bucket list back then, but as I look on it now, but right. no, I, you know, my mentality was uh, they had the U.S. title. Uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Sullivan, um, you know, he. He would come up to me every night. I love your work, kid. I like doing personal. <laughs> but but um, you know that 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 style. A uh, lot of bump taking. He'll put the guys over. 
uh, whoever my opponent was as much as possible. He put me in there against Paul White, the, mm-hmm. the Giant, mm-hmm. back-to-back pay-per-views. Just that whole vibe. Uh, I was super excited. How was Steve McMichael? I was working with Steve McMichael. I have said this uh, whenever I'm asking about him. At that time, I don't believe I'd ever been in the ring with somebody. Paul White's is sort of a different because he's so big. Mm -hmm. But Mongo is my height or maybe a little bit bigger. Wow. You talk about extremely quick just because of it. I think he was, was, you know, not far from the the gridiron. And his strength was incredible. Really? Yes. Wow. He could throw me around the ring with ease. So it seemed like you had a good time there. Oh, gosh, yeah. So what made you decide, and at that point, you leave, but Nitro is winning, yep. the ratings wars. What makes you decide, okay, the last, the, the the end part of my WWE run, not the greatest, you know, politically and on television, had a great time in WCW, ratings are up for WCW. Why do you go back to WWE? You know, obviously hindsight's going to be twenty twenty, but I can remember watching both shows. Mm-hmm. Where would I fit in best? Hmm. Uh, you know, wh- wh- where would I have the best opportunity? Uh, obviously, in my gut, um, felt a lot of unfinished business. Right. A whole lot of unfinished business. Um, and, and just the vibe, you know, and the, the wrestling historians will say for about a year, um, Raw was the better show. More compelling, sure. More storyline. Now I'm saying more storyline. Just, just it was more. It was a more compelling show. Mm-hmm. It felt a little more cohesive too. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh, without question. And and it goes without saying. And I I put this on my Instagram post as I was going through the Hall of Fame the year, and it made me reflect. When I got to WCW, I you know publicly traded company. I've never ever worked for an organization that was so corporate. It was so foreign to me. And you know you work for the McMahons, um, you work for the McMahon family. You know what, you, whether you agree with it or not, as oh, we just you, talked you about, you know what the vision is. I, I could relate to that. Yeah, you, yeah. And I and, and the the corporate world, you know, Eric had so many things going on. He had to report to the other tower. You know, you had Kevin Sullivan. Nitro's going from two to three hours. Oh, we're doing and just it was it was. <laughs> so even even in that successful era uh, era of the show that the, that sort of late mid to late 90s yes you could see where this is this is messy oh gosh yeah right oh, without question and no you can't point the finger at any one person it's the environment right it, it is truly an environment because eric was running the show but man he had i don't know how many bosses he had right i mean you know it, it goes without saying how many bosses but you know the the, the raw and the the way they were headed and the grittiness you just it was um again and i'll go back probably the number one reason is I had some unfinished business left there so you go back to wwe and you come back i mean for sure with a bang with that with that sort of work shoot promo where you where you're (laughs) where you're just you did you have an idea of where you were going when you did that meaning like where is this character going oh but yeah i was the evolution of double j right yeah i'll just say that because obviously the the cowboy hat the singing cowboy and then the 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 WCW run and the Horsemen mm-hmm. and all that, but c- c- coming in, I'll just call it more more a defined single heel um, that wanted to get in the mix right away. Right, and it and it was a little bit more fitting for the show that was on TV in the sense that the sort of over the top gimmicks country music singer guy 
that era had passed a little bit. Oh, without question. Right, right. And, and I, to go back to that, I think that's one of the things that clicked in the early days of Double J. Mm-hmm. That era, um, it you know, because they had gone through T.L. Hopper yeah. and, 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 and some of the good and all that. My character... Um, it just it was one of the last of that era presented that way in all the vignettes i think that's what made it stand out even more right uh but yeah fast forward and the fact that you could actually buy into it even when we were kind of done buying into those characters we bought into double j because like you said it was that piece of your personality that was real without question yeah 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 you can't fake my accent right fortunately unfortunately (laughs) but no uh yeah that era had gone by and so it was you know it was the Attitude Era without it being called the Attitude Era. But pretty quick, you slip into uh, the resurgence of the NWA within WWE, right? Yeah. So, uh, how did you, when you realized that that was going to be where your niche was, what did you think? I, I, I mean, I knew right away I was out of the mix, w- without question. I mean, when I say the mix, I mean, I, I knew right away, and and but understood it a thousand percent understood when you saw how the chips were falling and mm-hmm. and brett and and sean and and rock and well not really so much rock he was he was in the nation of domination uh but you know when you saw all the pieces of the puzzle but austin's coming up and you know that that's happening oh and, yeah but you, when you look at that roster yeah holy smokes I right mean, that was something that immediately coming from wcw and they were loaded but but the but the the from top to bottom of of the show and then you get to the wwf and you know i mean dx rock i mean just uh austin just that whole list I knew the NWA thing, and it didn't fit the Attitude Era. That right. was the biggest thing. Right. Now, you had, you had completely redone the look and everything. Straps were gone. You know, that was in the kind of, not quite a singlet, but, you know, the yeah, full yeah, yeah. thing yeah. covering and everything. Um, did you say to yourself, like, I don't know if this NWA thing is going to work, but I'm going to really try to make it work? Was that the strategy? or I mean, to this day, whatever I'm given, I go out and do the very best. But I knew, um, and I knew for whatever reason, I'd had that long hair. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I got to change the the, the, the things. I can remember really pushing out of that NWA thing. I want to do this. Let's do it get rid of the hair let's come up a look i want to evolve i want to evolve i want to evolve I, I i knew that needed to come so now the idea is because we do the nwa thing doesn't really work was jim Cornette heartbroken when the nwa thing didn't work i don't think so jim okay it was business he yeah, was yeah yeah he's just like okay on to the next idea then. Yeah, without question gotcha um you bring back the country music guy changed up a little more your vision i think because it had the entourage you had southern justice you had you know Tennessee Lee, Colonel Parker. You know you had you yes. had Tennessee and that Lee was with a, you. It was it was a collaborative with with, with creative and and what, what do we? Because the NWA thing, I think everybody said, all right, this ain't working. Right. So let's go back to something that did work, and go all the way at it. Almost the anti attitude. Right. I mean, it was so anti attitude right. era with the pyro that came down out of the ceiling, <laughs> yeah. uh, the horse, right? Um, and and you know, in in little snippets, <laughs> it was it was done very well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, I think and, so. And Robert Fuller, his presentation, um, God, and I've and I've joked about this off and on for years. In '95, if we would have brought Tennessee Leon mm-hmm. with the roadie oh. and Southern Justice. 
It, 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 I mean, it, I, yeah. I, it would have been the next evolution, right? In, in, my, in my opinion, but because yeah, I mean, you talk about nuances. I just think about just the way he handled his his hanky and the way he would you know <laughs> blot the sweat off. I mean, it was excellent. Well, he came from Colonel Parker, uh-huh. so all of a sudden Colonel and Elvis, all that now Colonel and Double J, and, yeah. And the, the 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 building blocks were there. It just never really came to fruition. And and again, it's the attitude there. It the the mantra of the show, the theme of the show, the vibe of the show. It's. You know, I don't want to date myself, but it's like having Archie Bunker on Friends. What? <laughs> when when you were gone and you see uh, Brian comes back as the real Double J, yeah. Jesse James, and it, that didn't really work. Yeah, that didn't. Are you going like? How did you? First of all, how did you feel with the character and the idea and the fact that they were like, all right, if Jeff's not going to be here, let's just kind of run him down, build on that, and then how did you feel for this guy that you worked with doing this thing that? Just didn't. I, I mean, but yeah. I mean, it, uh, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Mm-hmm. But but I looked at it and I go, you know, it's Jesse James. And I well, from a business perspective, I knew exactly where they wanted to go. They wanted to make money off a of singing cowboy. Right. Brian's not a cowboy. Right. He's much more like Eddie. Which Vedder is, by the is, way, the story of like the first twenty years of WWE. Right. We got to find a singing cowboy to make some money off of. There's got to be a singing cowboy out there to make some money. Like, <laughs> and, and Brian, he knew. He was, you know, I, it, 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 Brian. Um, you know, he lived with me. Right. Uh, when when he, when we left in '95, mm-hmm. Brian lived in my house, so we we were tight. And um, you know ups and downs and everything in between uh it was a paycheck for him and i was tickled to death you know it's funny i, I mean it, well i just i was happy but, yeah but i knew he wouldn't be in a joint it well and, and you know when you just sat back and you go okay they're gonna keep in my mind i can mm-hmm. remember thinking back they're gonna refine this this won't work but they're gonna refine it they're gonna refine it because brian's talented yeah they will get to a place um of making money off his voice right Right, and so when yeah, I mean, you had to be thrilled then for him. Yeah, when Road Dog starts up, and you're like, and there's way more of the roadie in Road Dog than there is the real Double J in Road Dog. Without question. you know what I mean, you look at the, the, what he's wearing, how he's talking, Without his mannerisms. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. So you go back to being Double J, way over the top Double J though, which I think is the way to play it in the Attitude Era. Oh right? yeah, right. It, it, I mean, it, just it, ridiculous. Exactly, that was the main mindset. And then do you do you is that when you go? We got to change this all together. I got to. I, I. I can't because you can only go over the top for so long. Yes. Let's cut the hair. Let's change the look. Let's no more country star. Let's, you yeah, know, yeah, let I mean, me be a little bit of a badass southern guy. Well, you collectively, you know, everyone knew that. Okay, it it it, 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 it that that singing cowboy time had passed. Right. And I was ready to get a haircut a year before that, or a while before that. Mm-hmm. Um. And ready to dive into that, and I, you know, I can remember when the chips started falling. Oh man, we're, we're going to be at the garden, and it's a hair match. I'm, I'm not a not a bucket list in my brain, but no, that's cool. Right, right. I'm, I'm definitely down for that. Was there a part before that? Was there this part of you that's like, I don't want the audience to think I can't sing. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of uh, there are some that say I, like, I, from a character perspective, yeah, I thought it was definitely part of the backbone of the character so roll it out at the appropriate time yeah, 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 yeah. With, with with really the handoff to brian right 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 but it, but timing going back to what we were talking That's about before a, yeah, yeah. so uh do you 
I mean, that, that, that's it. I played an extension of my personality right. without question. I, I, am I a great singer? No. Gotcha. Can I sing? Yes. Gotcha. And and I come from Nashville. Nobody can sing in Nashville. They tune everybody's <laughs> voices. No, I'm um, do you Does, does X-Pac become aware that this match is about the fact that you want to cut your hair, or do you guys keep that from him because you want to see him sweat because he doesn't want to cut his hair? Meaning, oh, no, he, he, he knows. Yeah, a member of DX is not walking around bald, especially in '99 or whenever that was. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I always wonder with those hair matches. Like, I feel like part of me, the sick person in me, would want to keep both guys guessing until the very last minute. I like it. No. You know what I mean? No. About I don't know. We haven't really decided which way we're going to go with this thing. No. Uh, of course, that's when uh, "Don't Piss Me Off" starts. Yeah. Was that just, was that something that you just? Started saying, yeah, in yeah. a way, um, creative and and yeah, it, it just sort of all right. The the you know, because um, at that time the NWA, uh, uh, it was sort of a, like a natural progression, right? Of like there was a thing, there was something for you to rebel against. I'm tired of all this nonsense crap. around me, all the crap. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, I just didn't know standards and practices would take so um, take such a hard line on piss isn't that amazing you go back even in the attitude era first i mean i, I love the way they tried to get around it on all the toys it was like like they, they wasn't even close it was like i think there was at all one that said don't tick me off yeah and i'm like it was what, what are we doing yes that, and that surprised me yeah now do, do you pay attention to your merchandise uh yeah like are I you mean, because because as a kid obviously you know i'm a figure collector and that really upsets you when they made the first of all it upset me that it said, just don't tick me off, right? I was like, that's he's never even said that. At least put asterisks or something. Yeah, like, yeah, tick, yeah. he doesn't say that. The second thing that pissed me off is when the Jeff Jarrett with short hair action figure came out, it was literally Owen Hart with a goatee painted on him. Did you know that? I, boy, Sam. I mean, I wish I had the toys. <laughs> I wish I had you the... I For wish real? Jax... To this day, I don't know that. Oh uh, Well, I, next time I see you, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to carry them with me so you can see it. I'm going to carry them both. And they didn't make... A short hair Jeff Jarrett head it drove me crazy. I love That's that. the OCD that I was dealing with as a kid. As a kid. It drove me crazy because <laughs> it was just it was they had just done a black heart Owen Hart, you know, with the short hair, the spike. Oh wow, okay, okay. You had the same haircut. Yes. So they just made it blonde and painted a goatee on it, and they literally used the same body, the tank top. It said, "Don't tick me off in the Jeff Jarrett shorts." I'm like, "It's no way. What Boy, are you as doing?" A you were really upset. It real. It ticked me off. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> um, but for the early part of that character, definitely, I think the most memorable stuff is the te- is the team with Owen. Oh gosh, yes. I mean, teaming with yeah, Owen, yeah. and the. I mean, the only thing to ask about that is, was that as fun? Oh, as it see, appears he was doing, that I'm it was. I'm not a nugget, right? Uh, you know, uh, I'm not a nugget, and I'm doing. Don't piss me off. And we, you know, we had been buddies good buddies but for us to sort of just boom it sort of just it just fell in and it clicked and one thing next thing you know now we're tag champs yeah i mean it was like and i'm getting paid to do this right i mean it's great and are you guys traveling together and doing the oh, whole thing everything yeah, well, yeah yeah i mean i was tagging along with owen for free rides <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no traveling and and we would ride sometimes with gas from the office but yeah we we, <laughs> we rode together yeah um travel together um it was good, man. It was really, um, God, man. It was a special time for yeah, sure. I'll bet. And I don't want to go too deep into it and make it too serious or too much of a bummer. But, man, I always think about, you know, the fact that you guys were friends. Not only right after what happened to Owen happened, did you just kind of keep rolling on? But I mean the match after. Like, it was like right there that night, you go out there. The next night, the next night after that, it's just we keep rolling. 
And I mean, how do you or anybody that was close to him, how, at what point do you grieve, you know, and, and sink back to reality, if that makes sense? Well, Sam, I could really get long-winded and get emotional, but I won't. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, um, for those who know, uh, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, last year, at the end of last year, I, I, I wasn't one of my red-letter days, let's say this. Sure. So the process that I went through, what was one of the things that was uncovered out of all of that, I hadn't even shared this with anybody, um, is that just what you said when you said the word grief, because um, it was... It happened on a Sunday. We wrestled on a Saturday mm-hmm. against Edge and Christian. It happened on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. We had Raw on Monday. Um, Moline on two, you know, whatever Tuesday. Um, wake, funeral, back to work in seven days. Then, obviously, I'll diplomatically say this: the uh, the ugly side of potential litigation litigation all that sure. was you know all, all that so so that thing became about something else yeah nobody talked about it right no no i mean it was we're not talking about this um it, it became unfortunately a the personal side of it was completely removed the grieving side of it did not take place um, it was a business, and we're going to go to work. And I can remember declining every interview in the world. And finally, for whatever reason, I said, I'll talk, and I'll talk quickly. And I think it's in a book or, or Mooneyhan. Um, and I said, anybody out there who thinks that Vince McMahon made the wrong decision, I challenge you to be put in his chair. It's impossible to make the right decision. Um, and I said that with complete, I still to this day, what a massive responsibility because anybody in their right mind, I mean, it was, you know, now there's the, you know, the legal side and, and all that, but it was an accident. No, nobody got up Sunday morning and said, Hmm, you, you know, so, but I, can, and it wasn't a thing that's never been done before either. No, yeah, that's what, yeah, I mean, just the whole thing. And I mean, just, especially in that era. Oh gosh. Right. Yeah. 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 Just so tragic. But, but it was, uh, um, yeah. I, okay. I don't want to get off track, but no, mm-hmm. it, that, that was something that, that, um, that I just found out in, uh, 2017. And that happened, uh, as we know, in May of 99. So 18 years, um, and so that's when you had, without going into detail, obviously, that's your personal business, but that's when you were like, you know what, i got to take some time, and this is one of the things that I have to deal with. What's that now? In 2017 is when no, you... No, no, that was uncovered in uh, recovery. Right. Yeah. No, wow. That, 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 that I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, on, on how much those, on, on how much, it was... It was it it's was, really interesting when you start to unpack what's going on in your brain, and you're like, wow, that's just been sitting there, and I had no idea crazy that stuff i referenced to you upstairs before we got started yeah yeah that's really amazing yeah it is it truly amazing and i feel today uh 
liberated yeah. on that just because man what, what it was but yeah anyway uh but no to to, to get back on uh it, it, the, the the time we spent is so special mm-hmm. the edge and christian yeah. uh, um that part of the hall of fame speech it just had to be in there i could remember being in the gym uh as the days were getting closer to april 6 and making the speech and thinking about this and thinking about that and, and the idea popped in my head i said that is something uh, with everything that went down, and you know, just uh, uh, everything, and, and and you know, eighteen years later, um, and I don't want to get too campy here, but there's no doubt in my mind, Owen, that put a smile on his face. That's great. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it, just me as a Christian during that time, the fun we had, and those guys were, you know, really coming into their own. The matches that we would have every night. Um, yeah. Not only were they fun, but you know, me and Owen are two single wrestlers, uh, and and when they put us together as a team, man, I would have loved to have seen what could have been with us as a team. Yeah, I've always said that in the back of my mind that we, you know we were on the way. Yeah. Now, uh, by the way, who played the uh, the the black blue blazer? Heck if I know. I was just, you know what? I swear I was watching it recently. I forgot that that ever happened, I, and it just popped. Somebody on Twitter will answer. That Somebody, please. I can't believe neither. First of all, neither one of you should be on the podcast if you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's at N O T S A N. Not real, Jeff. You know. We'll have more from Jeff Jarrett momentarily, but first, I want to tell you guys a way to save some money. This podcast is full. It's not just a wrestling podcast, it's full of helpful life advice. And some of that advice can be how to lower the interest rate on your credit card debt with a credit card consolidation loan. And the place to get that loan is Lightstream. So, Lightstream rewards consumers who have good credit with a great interest rate and no fees. You can get a credit card consolidation loan from 5.89% APR with AutoPay. That's 5.89% APR with AutoPay. You choose your funding date as soon as today. It's true. I went on this website and I checked out what it's got to do. And what Lightstream does is it rewards you for having good credit and it helps you get out of whatever hole that you're in. If you want to get through all this credit card stuff, look, WrestleMania season was not that long ago, right? We all went kind of crazy with the WrestleMania merch. You look around the corner and you realize SummerSlam is almost here. We're going to go a little bit crazy with the SummerSlam merch. What are you going to do? You better clear out that credit card debt. You got to get a loan. You got to consolidate the entire thing and you can do it with only 5.89% APR as long as you get auto pay through Lightstream. Easy to use website, super intuitive. Uh, you know, this, this credit card stuff, it's intimidating for me. I'm not a finance guy. I'm a wrestling guy. I'm sure a lot of you are like me. Just go to the website. Check it out for yourself. Lightstream.com slash Sam. Look at it and you'll see that all you need to do is a couple clicks. Click around and you'll see, oh my God, this is easier than I ever thought it could be. Plus... My listeners are going to get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. I'm trying to help you guys out, but the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Sam. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Sam. Lightstream.com slash Sam. Figure out your problems. 
solve them. Of course, it's subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for more information. Lightstream.com slash Sam. Let's get back to Jeff Jarrett. Uh, do you, uh, uh, so that's when the, you, you go solo. Inter- you're, you're, you become about the Intercontinental Championship and everything. And I think because of that run and the early run and, this, and the several runs, you've become pretty synonymous with that title. Mm-hmm. Like you're on that short list of like, you know, the name the Intercontinental Champions, the guys that... that and pretty damn proud of that, I'll tell you that. I think you should be. Yeah. yeah. But it's I, a big deal. I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you that... Because that, um, that list, I mean, you're talking about... You're talking about Mr. Perfect. I mean, I would put Bret Hart on that list, even okay. though he's been. But I would, and I put Sean on it. Absolutely, because when you think about, um, you know, Honky, great champion. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he held it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and and during the Hulkamania era, I think he was the perfect Intercontinental Champion because Hulk had his belt and all that. But then you had, you know, highly entertaining character and Honky. There's only one Honky. Uh, but as it transitioned, you had Sean, you had Kurt, you had Tito, but, yeah. you know, but, but Morocco. But it came from you know back in the day, just that transition of of, of that. Um, yeah, I, I and and I really took at that stage in my career, knowing the ups and downs and ups and downs, and then the tragedy. And for me to have that opportunity, I can remember saying, "I'm going to take this ball and run with it." Was there ever any heat with Honky Tonk Man over the fact that you were also doing a singing guy character? I, I mean, not with me, certainly right. with me. But Honky, um, whether real or not, he is great about controversy. So he, he might have been, been mad at me about the guitar, but I don't know. Right, right. And, singing. I don't and know. who knows anyway. So you also start doing a run that, like, if you look back, you couldn't do it today. But what I always look for is the level of commitment that a performer has. And when you did that run that was leading towards the good housekeeping match, when you were going after, it was like, man, Jeff Jarrett is just balls to the wall, whether it's a woman, whether it's Ben Stiller, whether it's whoever, like they're getting attacked. And and I and I knew and again, I'm blessed to be in the business and being around it and being able to not watch just I can sort of step out of all right, let me look at double J here on, on camera and reveal that. I knew that it was a real opportunity to do I hate to say word groundbreaking, but at, at the time I said, "This is good." Yeah, the raw was re- obviously red hot. Uh, everything going on, it was different. And then you just got to give it to China. When you look at DX, uh, and I still say to this day, Road Dog and China d- did a lot of defining to DX. Obviously, Triple H the leader, and Sean was in the original. Excuse me, excuse me, but uh, Xbox. But all that, but but you know, China, you know, the eighth wonder of the world. Well, just in terms of the aesthetic, and I mean, I go back. Yeah, it was there, and I'm like, okay. And and then when when we knew where we were going with it, I'm like, and that's that's really interesting. You said Road Dog in China because I the last I said, you know, my dad loved the roadie, and that's what made him like, hey, like who's this Jeff Jarrett guy? In terms of DX, it was China. Like that's the one that my dad, the non wrestling fan, the guy who's like, this is all ridiculous. It's like who's who's. Who's China? Well, I can remember them shooting DX as they would walk down the aisle. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and look at it on the WWE Network. They, a lot of China camera time. Oh, she yeah. She was defined. She had the look. She had the persona. She was great at what she, you know, how she defined 
that entire faction. So, and, and then the housekeeping and everything that went with it, and yeah. then uh, Deborah and Kitty yeah. and and Cindy Margolis and <laughs> Mula is one of my favorite guitar shots. Cindy all Margolis, time. <laughs> I mean, just all of it. I mean, it was really good, compelling. Uh, creative was on fire. Yeah, as it relates to that, it, it one thing led to another. Over in the UK, we did a pay per view, and those people wanted to destroy. Oh, they wanted to kill me. Right, and I hate to say old school heat. But right, I can remember walking out. And I'm like. These guys are—they really don't like me, <laughs> right? And and in, a, in the best possible way, in the way that I'm I'm paying for a ticket because I want to see that guy's ass get kicked, <laughs> yes. right? Like that is, and that's really rare, and it gets rarer and rarer. I feel like, yeah. but when you are booing the bad guy, yeah, it's everybody's doing their jobs right, yeah. right? Yeah. Like like this is this is what we've been working towards. Well, and everybody knew in the back of their mind, China's going to kill him, right? Even when I was cracking Mula, China's going to kill him. Well, it was also, I mean, but, but even it was one of those things where like you'd see somebody, whether it was Cindy Margolis or whoever, and your music would hit, and you'd be like, it'd just be so tense because you're like, he's not really going to, but in your mind, you were like, oh my god, I think he is. <laughs> well, the Ben Stiller shot, yeah, I just saw. I don't know, not long ago, somebody put it on Twitter. It's on the Hall of Fame vignette. It's in the Hall of Fame package. I watched the Hall of Fame I package today. The hell out of here! <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I don't remember it being that stiff, but I got him. <laughs> you did. I did get him. <laughs> well, you got to. You can't have Ben Stiller showing up and thinking, oh, no. you know, what this, a this, this ballet. What a champ he is. Yes, he, he is. Was there any part of you that was? Not wanting to lose to China because no, or I you mean, were like, this is why we've been doing this whole thing. It doesn't well, work otherwise. without question. Yeah, w without question. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it, you know, even if we would have had a regular match, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I can't say it didn't happen. But knowing that was the kind of match that we were having, oh man, it was perfect. Yeah, it it, it was perfect. What was your relationship like with Vince Russo at this point? It's good. I mean, it was good. It goes back to he was the uh, I say the original day the, the, when he was a, when he worked for the magazine mm -hmm. and I was the first version of Double J. Maybe yeah. The bit. He he he. I was I was nice to him. He is nice to me. But he wanted to do an article, and and I've just been raised in the business. I don't care who it is. You're you're good to him. And we did a couple of articles and. We went out during the OJ trial, and me and Road Dog did some a, a whole shot out there of of, of being in Hollywood. Uh, but no, it, it was a good relationship. Right. So uh, this is the part where you leave WWE again, heading into that China match, and of course, and I think that the legend of you sticking him up for money has been pretty well clarified that you were getting the money you were owed. It, was, yes. it wasn't a Ultimate Warrior scenario where you were trying to get no more. But did they know? That you, was it a surprise to them that when you came to them and said, look, my contract's up, I'm leaving after tonight? No, they knew the week of. But the, okay. The, the, the contract, and, and see, that's where, you know, and, and I've got so much acceptance in my life now. It was meant to happen, but at the time, I was really, it was, I was confused. I wanted, I knew where the character was at. I, I wanted a better offer. I felt I deserved a better offer. And was there a part of you, too, that was going... I'm still looking at this roster around me, and now The Rock, and now Stone Cold, and now all these people are up here. Like, I'm not getting a fair shake here. Well, I just, I, I well, I mean, I don't say fair shake, because, I mean, I was an IC champ, and, yeah. and a lot of steam. I don't say fair shake. I wanted more money. It, right. it was a it was a business deal, right. and I know, to this day, they pay people they respect and put value on. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, and it, oh, I'm a promoter, mm -hmm. and I was a promoter kid then so i understood all that i thought i deserved more money but vince was in the process of literally traveling around the world 
taking his company public. He was meeting with investment bankers in Germany and this and that. You know, I thought that I was going to get a call, and but Jr. was handling it all, and it was just one of those things. And you know, me and Jim have done business together since, and and all that kind of stuff. Um, for whatever reason, um, he valued me at one figure, and I valued myself more than that. Uh, a lot more. Oh God, no! I mean, okay. but because in those days it was downside. Gotcha. But but I knew that I wanted to, and there was a lot of backstory uh, that went into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I knew that I. I thought, just me, but I thought I deserved uh, a lot more than he was offering. And you had been vocal about that? Very vocal. I mean, not to the dressing room. No, 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 of course not. I'm talking about to the people who make the decisions. To Jim. To Jim. To Jim. Specifically Jim, multiple times. Right. So this wasn't one of those left-in-the-middle-of-the-night scenarios. No, I mean, it it was. And then um, we did a raw... In Birmingham, uh, a raw in Atlanta, and I pushed China in the dome, pushed China off a thing, and mm-hmm. then we did a, a SmackDown in, 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 in Birmingham. The prior week, I'm not sure where we were at with that, but I knew it was building toward that, and that was the first time I had reached out. It was within two weeks I had a deal. I mean, it was really close. I'm like, these guys, Jim ain't coming off this at all. Right. And that's telling me, uh, and I, I, and you know, that's you'll have to interview those folks but i I thought it was a direct um a direct message from vince and i had acceptance back then if vince don't value okay let's move on right i I know somewhere that will did you get the feeling because you don't know i would have to ask them but did you get the feeling that jim ross or vince mcmahon or any of the people were pissed that that you maybe not had made that decision but were saying like i need the money that you owe me tonight Oh, were they pissed about that? Yeah. No. And here's why. Mm-hmm. The, the, the pay-per-view is obviously on, on, on a uh, Sunday. Correct. My contract expired midnight Saturday night. Mm-hmm. But that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday before the event, yeah. um, back in the old days, I had the answer machine, you know, whatever. And, and Vince had tried to call me a couple of times, but I'd already signed. And uh, probably the little boy in me or the businessman in me or a mixture of things, I didn't want to give him a phone because I said he's going to talk me, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, the decision had made, I'd already given my word to WCW, I'm coming. Um, I'll be there Monday. You need to fly me from uh, Cleveland. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's where the plane ticket needs to come. And so the deal was done. Um, But, you know, I, 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 I I mean, shit, anybody uh, around me, at home knew that I was very conflicted uh, because I said, okay, here I am. I'm the IC champ. I didn't even think about the match or the consequence. I mean, the, the, the finish of the match. I knew we were going with that, whether I stand or not. But I knew there was a lot of money in the pipeline. At yeah. that time, the business was red hot. There were three or four house show runs, mm-hmm. three or four pay-per-view runs, the specific pay-per-view that I'm working on. I knew that 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 at that time... You know, at that time, the jumps had more or less calmed down mm-hmm. for the most part. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I knew this wasn't going to be um, favorably received, uh, and rightly so. So I just said, okay, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to make a statement and, and, and get my money and get on with it and get out of everybody's hair. And when I said that um, to Jim, he he understood. I mean, he knew where I was coming from. Yeah, he he certainly knew where I was coming from, and and they knew that I didn't have to be there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was out of contract, so so to speak, from a contractual point of view, and Vince did too. Um, but you know, I'll I'll never forget as long as I live. Vince himself delivered me the check and shook my hand, and he had a smile on his face. I had a smile on my face, and whether he was genuine or not, I sincerely believed him, and he really appreciated me coming and doing everything. And then after the match, I had all that crap all over me, and and I said, "I'll go shower. I'll be back." And I went back and showered and got all that crap off, and went back, and we gave each other a hug, and. Um, that was that. Happy trails. That was it. Didn't see him again to the stage in New Orleans. That's an <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I think about that for right now. I have to skip that second WCW run. Yeah, but I want to know. Time's ticking over there. Time is ticking. Sun's setting outside. I see it. That's right. But I want. First of all, we're going to have to do another part of this interview. Then like let's you, cut it off right here. I'll see you, bud. <laughs> then we're done. But what I want to know, because I think it's valuable to what we've been talking about, is. Last episode of Nitro, that's when Vince comes on the TV and says, G double O double N double E, gone. And do it one more time. Gone. There you go, Sam. I like it. I had, as, as I'm watching that, you know, as a fan, I took that as storyline, right? Like I took that as that's, that's, that's Mr. McMahon. That's not Vince McMahon. Correct. The legend that built off of that was fantastic. Vince McMahon fired Jeff Jarrett on national television. And that was, and I'm like, I thought it was, but yeah. okay, if you fired him, that was, you, how did you take that? I knew exactly what my contract said. Right. I mean, to the letter uh-huh. that I'm, this I was in March, that I'm getting paid till December, November, December, whatever. Mm-hmm. I knew, or the, anyway, I knew that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, 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 that's a the great part of the business. And I chuckled, but I'm like, hey, you're going to fire somebody that you don't. <laughs> I don't really work for him, right? You know, as surprising and shocking, and how really how quickly all that went down. Yeah, and not just me. There was a bunch of us that knew our contract was with. Well, pretty much all the all the main event guys, right? Yeah, I mean, they, we were getting paid out, right? It, it wasn't. Any, that's why nobody, none of them. I mean, that's what happened um, for the majority of the main event guys. Yes, did not show up on WWE TV for a very long time. Yes, yeah. Um. So that's and that's what that was. Yeah, yeah. Did you so the re- And I will say this. Yeah. That night, not not right when it came out. And but I I think it was on WCW Live or something. I remember saying, I'm like, out of all the guys, he picked me to fire. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I remember joking about that. So, you know And he fa- still put the old double J thing over, right? It, when he said G double O. When like- you really think about it, come on. He's putting me over. Um and if he's not putting me over, right. he's making good TV. And that's what he always does. Yeah. What's best for his organization, he does. Do you, uh, so the reason that you were not a part of anything WWE related for all of this time, you're the only one really who was not. Was it really because you went and started doing TNA so quickly that you were just on different sides? Or, like, they, they, or were you blackballed? You'd have to ask, you know, to be blackballed, I'm not the decision maker. They wouldn't have told you, right? No. That's the whole point. <laughs> but, 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 you know, uh, when my first wife, when Jill passed away, yeah. very, very nice phone call. Um, a few times after that, I would see folks and they would say, hey, whatever, Vince said, tell you hello. I mean, you know, so, so blackballed, I think, is... 
but, but it's a great story. I mean, it's it, much funner. Oh God, it's you much kidding? funner. Jeff Jarrett marched in there. He <laughs> said, "I'm not, well, I'm not losing this title unless you give me a million dollars." And Vince McMahon gave it to him and but never you, talked to him again. But you're forgetting the biggest part of it. What's that? When I just pulled my jacket back, he saw the gun. <laughs> he said, "I better pay this guy." That's right. That's I mean, right. He's got he's packing. <laughs> he's, yeah, and there's not. All right. Go out there and work the match, though. By the and way, then what was crazy when he gave me the money? Yeah. It was it was some of it was in fives and tens because it's all he had. It's every, take it all, take whatever I got. Here's <laughs> this is from the merch booth, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah, because Jeff asked for it in cash. Yeah, of course, I did. <laughs> that's what Jeff Jarrett was doing. Do you? Would you like to? I mean, I I know uh, Global Force is coming back again now with fight. Which is huge with Fight Network. Well, you just jumped up fifteen years. Well, here's the no, thing. I'm, I'm looking. I, I, what time is it? I I I. I'm sorry. I, we're going to do part two. We're going to have to do another part where we talk about. I mean, we may have to do two more parts because I still have to talk to you about the WCW run, which was a huge part of your career. We're talking about world title main event stuff. And there, there is some really good st- stuff. Dude, I feel comfortable around you. I, I just want to say that because you know your stuff. Yeah. Some guys do a lot of reading but they still don't know their stuff right you you sort of know your stuff right i'm no no kidding i but mean no, like yeah there, I, there is some really really compelling stuff from the time i got there in uh october of 99 mm-hmm. till march of 2001 that place you're gonna say that's fiction all right, well, then we need to do a whole show just Honest on that. Honest to God, you'll say, no, nah, that, that's fiction. Yeah, and I mean, like, we need to make that a priority. Do that whole show. I mean, and also, I mean, even the basics. I want to know, I'm sure you've told it a million times, I want to know the Bash at the Beach story. I want to know your take on Arquette. All that, you were there for all of it, and I'm fascinated by the last two years of WCW as it is. It, it, it is fascinating, and it is it is, it is is down in history. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's really a part of American... Just because, in my opinion, the way I look at it, now obviously we're probably a little older than a lot of your viewers out there, but it's Ted Turner and Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. and Ted Turner, this media conglomerate, and Vince down here, the wrestling promoter, and how it went, and 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 then all of a sudden he buys it pennies on the dollar. Unbelievable! What a success story! Un. Believable, it is, and I'm in there as a, as a as a talent, right? Watching all this go around, and in Club La Vila and or Panama City, and all of a sudden you go, "All righty, <laughs> we'll see you." Right? That's that's the moment. I mean, I'm sure you'd already had that moment before, but that's the moment when you give up predicting things. Like, I think I know how this is going to play out. You're like, you know what? I just got to ride this wave. Well, I can remember having conversations with production people there, and you just go. This is logical for you really sit back and look about it. It's a wrestling business. Right. Right. Who else? Who else? Right. Yeah. Who wants to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Well, we'll go. I mean, again, we have to get into all of that. We have to talk a whole TNA thing. We didn't even touch on TNA. And I got a ton of TNA questions from NWA TNA to Impact to this, to that, it's, to it's Dixie, fine. to the, the whole it's thing. Fine. Yeah. I want to know all about all that stuff. So that's probably, probably another two parts. I also, and I'll just ask you now. And this is strictly coincidence, right? So I used to have a giant Blu-ray collection and DVD collection. Oh, boy. Used to. Used Sold to. it in the garage sale to get me here. That's right. That's got how it. I got you that's here. Focused. But that's right. The reason I bring this up, actually, I sold it all so I could pay WWE so they'll put me on TV. But. <laughs> of course. But <laughs> the reason why I bring that up is because there's a few movies still in my collection that are just like my favorites. Life with Mikey. Spring Breakers. 
Oh, I mean, are I you jacked up on Jesus. <laughs> I I love Spring Breakers. I saw it in theaters. I was no just way. I I was I was Harmony, my man, uh, Nashvilleian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I just thought it was the whole thing was unbelievable. He's the director of the movie, James Franco. It's it's the best thing he's ever done in my opinion. I'm a big James Franco fan. But you, I didn't know you were in it. Like I'm not. I don't. I don't just go like. Yeah. Oh, there's a wrestler in the movie. Anything that if there's a wrestler in, I'll go. There's not a wrestler in. Yeah, I'm not I seeing up it. on screen. Right, and you're there, and I'm like, how does Jeff Jarrett end up in Spring Breakers? Oh, you want to hear this story? Tell me. Do you not know this story? I don't. Oh, then you're not a real Jeff. Now, anyway, <laughs> this, this is crazy. So Harmony Corrin, uh, him and his wife. Anyway, he's from Nashville. Story, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the casting agent, uh, Larray Mayfield. Mayfield Casting. If you look on House of Cards, they also cast. They're a casting agent out of L.A. Um, they, uh, okay, guess who was supposed to play that role? And you, as you saw the movie, there's cameos and stuff like that. Yeah. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. So he ended up not being able to do it. And so Harmony says, I want a wrestler like, like, like a real motivational youth pastor but has a wrestling vibe for it. My bad. He's a youth pastor with a wrestling vibe. And the, the guy goes, I got it. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> what? So anyway, I'm sitting at my desk. Oh, you're going to love this. Yeah. I'm sitting at my desk. Anyway, the email pops up. Oh, come on. And I, I literally, yep, replied right back. Yep, sure. And, I mean, you say, hey. And do you know who Harmony is before all this? Like, are you familiar with him? Not, not too a, much. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. You just, know of him. Just because of the Nashville connection. Sure. That, that's it. Sure. So it says, it, it, it's a quick little thing. Are you interested in reading for a part? Here's the movie. And they name drop, you know. Vanessa Hudgens and. And, and uh, Franco. Oh, yeah, and James like, Franco. And, sure, I'd love to. What are next steps? They emailed back like that. Hey, we're sending you a script. Can you do a read? And I'm like, um, I'm not sure what all. I didn't know what all, what all. What do you mean? He goes, <laughs> get a, get an iPhone. I said, oh god, yeah, I can do that. Anyway, yeah. so from about nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. by two thirty in the afternoon, I've got the part. Oh my! God. And guess who? Guess who filmed my little uh, read? Who? Rudy Charles. <laughs> he, he, he was working for me, yeah. working with me and all this. I said, Rudy, come here. And he goes, what? And I said, so I had the thing. And so I he filmed it, and I did the read, and they sent it back. And, all right, you got the part. Then they come back and say, well, here's when we want you to do it. And I go, oh, my God, that's spring break. It legitimately was spring break whenever the year before. Mm-hmm. And me and Karen and the kids were all going to Atlantis, uh, Nassau. Yeah. And they're filming it in Tampa, St. Peter. And I'm like, no way. Anyway, we had to juggle things and cut the vacation. No, we got to the vacation a day late because we went. We all flew down as a family, stayed over there, got the hotel, went down, did the part. Kids got to come on set. The pictures still in the house of um, God Almighty, not Vanessa. Um, oh yeah, uh, uh, the pop star uh, Gomez, Selena Gomez, Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She was yeah. on set and everything. So the girls, they got all everybody got their photos, and then the director was there. And we shot everything in a day and a half. Did you watch the movie? I did. And that was, what's crazy is, I had no idea <laughs> until I got to Tampa when they said, you know what this movie's about? I said, yeah, they're, you know, the Disney kids. And right. <laughs> I, But Disney I really didn't kids. know the, the, how deep it was. And oh, yeah. they gave me the story. But that's Harmony. Yeah. It was really, really cool. But um, yeah, we went, and then when it had the premiere in Nashville, we went to the premiere party and me and Karen and, and all that. And, and it was cool being in that vibe. And, and uh, you know, you're there and the people walk by and so the younger kid, hey, that's a 
pastor. That's the pastor. <laughs> I had no irony. It was fun, though. So uh, when can we expect to start watching Global Force on Fight? And what type of talent are you eyeing to it, populate it, this thing? And, and, and that's why the, the I'd say this. Watch as we roll out announcements. It's going to be in a non-traditional one because I think everybody immediately jumped to, hey, Global Force Wrestling Programming is going to be on. If you'll notice, we put out Global Force Entertainment. That's Yes. So it is going to be a hybrid, and it's going to be a rollout. Um, not to spoil anybody's uh, um, ideas, but in 2018, there's not going to be, quote, unquote, we're going to roll this out, mm-hmm. uh, but in the future, but fight. Their technology and they—that's what attracted me. Their technology is is superior. It is their encryption, transactional pay per view, diverse. They are MMA, um, boxing, and wrestling, uh, sort of a one stop shop. So uh, we've got some cool things coming down the pike this year. Uh, look for a big event at the end of this year, and then we'll go from there. Well, I love it, and I'm gonna have to go to the big event or oh, do the big event in New York so I can get you back in this studio. Because we still have a lot of ground to cover. I mean, we've been talking for a long time. I could talk to you long for... Long time. It we feels longer. It is. <laughs> I enjoyed it, man. I, could I, really easily... I knew I would, too. Yeah, well, I would tell you. I decided... To, I usually just go for it and, and, you know, whatever, where the conversation takes us, takes us. I have two pages of questions here. Get out of here. Oh, two pages folks, of questions. Really, uh, on this page right here, there's raw and there's some other <laughs> SmackDown notes. Yeah, is it really two pages of questions? And I don't even think we got past. We got through the first page. <laughs> Good, you know. And no, I think and, that's the way to do it, folks. In 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 New Orleans, and we'll end with this. Please, how much fun did we have? Ribbing each other back and forth about, it was, I about mean, doing this. It, it was, was nonstop. Awesome. It was awesome. It was I mean, as soon as I approached, I had never met you in person before. We, I, of course, I knew your work, and I had seen that I, you'd liked a couple of my photos on Instagram here and there. So I said, okay, I, he's aware of me. That's awesome, right? Like, I'm excited by that. And then uh, as soon as I see you, it's like, I, say, oh, hey, man, yeah, it's good to meet you. You know, I haven't been invited on that podcast. That's right. right. I, I jabbed you right away. <laughs> and then every person you introduced me to, oh, have you done Sam's podcast? Oh, yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been asked to. But now... Shamelessly plugged you in there. That's right. But now, there's not that many people who have not only gotten to do the podcast, but done it from the Not Sam studio. You know? I love this it. Is, this is the special the, place. The, the Mecca. This is the Mecca. Is that 57th? That yeah, right, right down there is fifty. Times Square is right that way. You see it over there. You can kind of see the Look New at all Year's the cops down there. Oh, I mean, you never know what's oh going my on God, down there. What is that? You never know. You know, I'm going to take you down to some of those restaurants. Yeah, you don't want to look. You don't want to look. You're that pastor. I'm still seeing you as the pastor from Spring Breakers. <laughs> please, you don't want to see please, some of that stuff. Please. Jeff Jarrett, thank you so much. This has Enjoyed been an it, man. absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to do it again. Love to, man. Thanks, Seriously, man. love to. So, thanks to Jeff Jarrett. And speaking of music, you know, I get this Carter's album. Jay-Z and Beyonce put out this album. And all of a sudden, I get all excited because I want to go see them in concert. They're playing MetLife Stadium here in New York, but they're going on a whole concert tour. I think to myself, how am I going to get tickets? I want to make sure that I'm not going to get ripped off. I want to make sure the tickets are legit. I want to make sure I'm getting the best deal on tickets, but I also want to make sure that I know exactly where I'm sitting. Then I remember, SeatGeek, you fool! SeatGeek! It's the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether it's that Jay-Z and Beyonce concert, whether it's a Cubs game while you're in Chicago, whether it's football season and you want to get tickets to the big game. Hell, 
Give it a couple months. SummerSlam's around the corner. TakeOver Brooklyn, Raw, SmackDown. How are you going to get tickets? No matter where you live in these United States of America, SeatGeek is the organization that's going to help you out. You're going to find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like it. Nothing quite like it. Look, I have the app on my phone. It's so simple. You open it up, you put in your event that you want to go to, you could just put in your location and they'll tell you all the exciting events that are happening. Then you click the event, it gives you a seating chart. It shows you where tickets are available. You pick your exact seat. If you want to make sure that it's not just about getting the best seat, but it's also about getting the best value, they color code all of the seats that are available so you know which ones are the best value. They combine data from various other sites to give you the number one greatest ticket buying system in the history of mankind, and it's right there on your phone. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money, and you're going to get to go to these shows that you've always wanted to go to. Best of all, My listeners, you guys, the guys who listen to Not Sam Wrestling, the guys who listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the girls who listen, all of you are going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. A great deal just got better. How? Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today. That's promo code SAM for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Get that app. Put that promo code in and enjoy the rest of the show, guys. Here is Sam Roberts. So that concludes my first interview with Double J, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. I just thought it was phenomenal. He is such a good guest. Thank you so much to Jeff Jarrett for making the time to come out to the Not Sam studio to sit down here in New York and talk really only about the first half of your career. You know, I, I kind of couldn't believe I'd already spent all told it was over 90 minutes talking to Jeff Jarrett and we only made it to 1999. That's the career that Jeff Jarrett has had. I'll have the whole video available on the YouTube channel uh, within the coming days. I'll post the entire interview, parts one and two, as one uh, fluid conversation that you'll be able to watch and enjoy here from the Not Sam studio. But You know, clearly, and I want you guys to tweet me, and I want you guys to tweet Jeff Jarrett, and specifically let Jeff know that you really want to hear another interview with him on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, because that's where we left it. I very much want to talk to Jeff Jarrett again, because we didn't even get, we finished at his WWE run. You know, I, I had to add in that getting fired on Raw story just because I think it's part of his WWE career but I still want to talk about his entire WCW run I still want to find out where slap nuts came from I want to find out all about hitting Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show with a guitar I want to find out his bash at the beach 2000 Hulk Hogan story I want to find out what it was like being a part of the David Arquette storyline I want to find out WCW ending and the first days of TNA I want to talk about the ups and downs. I want to talk about the Carter family becoming a part of it. Uh, I want to talk about the weekly pay-per-views. I want to talk about the TV deals. I want to talk about him leaving TNA. I want to talk about Global Force Wrestling. I want to talk about how they combined, and then Jeff had to leave. And, and, And what was the catalyst to have him finally face his demons 
and come out the other end. And then I want to talk about this amazing newest chapter in his journey where he's going and, and winning in, in AAA Mexico. It's unbelievable the career this guy has had. And we've only told half the story. So tweet Jeff Jarrett and let him know, number one, that you enjoyed the interview here. And number two, that you want to have another one, uh, hear another one. You know, I, I his candid nature was really, really refreshing. Just, you know, getting to the bottom of, of everything that he went through in WWE. So the, the stuff he was talking about with Owen uh, was pretty, it, it has stayed with me since we had the conversation and I think will stay with me for a long time about not really sort of grieving, not dealing with that part, thinking that you've dealt with something as bad as that and not really having dealt with it. You know, uh, uh, I think that's important. I think, you know, all of his stuff about whether he got fired or not from Vince McMahon, the fact that, you know, I still want to press him more, but the idea that he never felt blackballed is really, really interesting because to those of us watching at home, it was like he's the only one that didn't show up. So I still think there's a lot to talk about with Jeff Jarrett, but I, I think that there are so many takeaways from the last two weeks of podcasts uh, with Jeff Jarrett that I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, let's get into the state of wrestling. Before we get there, because uh, I've got my top five stories written out, I don't have the Australia announcement on my top five list just because for me it didn't fit, but I think that that show deserves to be talked about here on the podcast. Uh, I'm super excited about it. I love WWE's... I, I, I like these shows. And I think we got to take them for what they are. I like that WWE kind of saw what they had in the Greatest Royal Rumble and are now announcing this one, that it's going to be on the network. They're treating it like a pay-per-view. I don't think that the Australia show is going to be treated like a pay-per-view. I think that this is going to be very, very similar to the Greatest Royal Rumble show in the, in the sense that it's not so, so st super storyline-driven, but it's like a dream card. The fact that the first announced match is Triple H versus The Undertaker for the last time kind of tells you already what this card is going to be about. But, you know, Ronda Rousey and John Cena, you look at what the WWE's roster looks like when they want to put on a super show and you realize, wow, that's a super show. And I don't know how many people can be held. I think it's something close to 100,000 can be held in the stadium in Australia that they're doing it in. So I, I, I'm super excited about it. It goes down towards the end of October, I believe. So obviously, you know, presumably we'll continue to hear about matches as they're announced, but let's be honest, talking about the greatest Royal Rumble, that Undertaker-Rusev, Undertaker-Jericho, Undertaker-Rusev casket match was changing up until the last minute. So who knows if we'll hear anything about the specific matches. I think it probably depends on ticket sales. If ticket sales are great, you know, as soon as they go on sale, I don't think WWE really even needs to figure out what matches they're going to put on. Uh, but, you know, one interesting thing is that the Greatest Royal Rumble had this hook where they could put on a five-hour show because you've got a 50-man Royal Rumble. A 50-man Royal Rumble is going to take a minimum of 90 minutes. So you wonder, you know, is there going to be something like that on this show? Or is WWE going to put together, you know, 13 or whatever it is matches to fill that time? And if they do, 
what are these matches going to look like? I think part of the appeal of the Greatest Royal Rumble was that it was all sort of crazy dream matches. It was either a title match or John Cena versus Triple H or the Greatest Royal Rumble. If you're going to put together a card with like 13 matches on it to fill four or five hours without a Greatest Royal Rumble at the end of it, you're not going to be able to do all title matches. You know, some of that stuff, I would think, may have to be filler unless they fill out their roster even more. Who knows? Who knows what the plan is? I just, I like that WWE is putting all of this effort into these international shows and specifically that we're getting to see them. Expectations need to be uh, proper going into this thing. You know, I think the people who didn't like the Greatest Royal Rumble were people who had the wrong expectations. You know, I think that we should think about Starcade that went down in December in Greensboro, North Carolina. It was an untelevised house show, uh, but it was basically just a house show with some specialties thrown in. Goldust wrestled as the natural Dustin Rhodes. You know, there, there was some, some of the legends were there. Like, it was just sort of a tip of the hat to the fact that, hey, it's December, it's Greensboro, it's Starcade. A lot of us were annoyed that Starcade wasn't on the WWE Network. Not to say that if Starcade was on the WWE Network, we should expect, uh, uh, you know, some kind of pay-per-view, a pay-per-view quality. This is where we separate the men from the boy. This is where storylines or climax. No, 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 no. We should treat this like uh, a, a super enlarged in every way version of the Beast from the East special, of the Brock Lesnar versus Big Show Madison Square Garden special. The, we should treat these like network specials that they're putting on these massive shows overseas, and because the network exists, we get to see them too. I think that that should be the takeaway. Not dissimilar from during the Attitude Era when WWE was running uh, UK-exclusive pay-per-views where you would have some stuff like Shawn Michaels winning the European Championship from Davey Boy Smith. But in general, it would just be like, oh my God, these amazing matches. It wouldn't be something that the next night on Monday Night Raw or the next week on Monday Night Raw would require a whole bunch of recap, if that makes sense. So I, I, I think that, that it seems like this is going to be a theme going forward, right? We had one in April. May, June, July, August, September, October. Six months later, we're having one. Are we going to have a show every six months? Are we going to have a show seasonally? Who knows? But I like it. You know, I think part of having the WWE Network is put on some more content. Why not? Why the heck not? All right. Let's get into uh, my other top five stories of the week now with the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. State of Wrestling time, and before we get into the top five stories of the week, it should be mentioned that The Undertaker's on Instagram. Technically not one of my top five stories of the week. I like to go down uh, the top five stories as I see them in the world of pro wrestling and count them down, uh, but The Undertaker being on Instagram is a pretty big story. I don't know if he does it from a coffin, if he does it from underground, I don't know what the cell service is like underground, but Instagram slash Undertaker, there are three photos... There is confirmation from Michelle McCool that it is indeed The Undertaker, not just an Undertaker, and somehow, and this is the, this is the level of celebrity that I want to get to one day, out of the three photos on Undertaker's Instagram, 
One of them is with Post Malone. There's only three photos. One of them is just The Undertaker. Another one is just The Undertaker. And one of them is The Undertaker and Post Malone. Some guys get all the luck. How does Post Malone get to be the number two on The Undertaker's Instagram right now? I don't even have a picture with The Undertaker, let alone a picture with The Undertaker on The Undertaker's Instagram. It would make my life. But I guess I'm no Post Malone. So I don't know. I never thought a day would come that The Undertaker would enter into the world of social media, but he has, he's already got a million followers. I guess they're all creatures of the night. I don't know for sure. But Undertaker is on Instagram and it is an amazing day in America. It's the best news. It couldn't be better. I'm so excited to see what The Undertaker's got in his mind. Now, he's not been going too caption heavy. I think in the Post Malone photo, He said something about when worlds collide. Uh, But like the one photo of just him by himself, there was no caption. So maybe this is going to be one of these Instagrams that don't have a ton of captions. I would hope not because The Undertaker is a man of few words. My preference, if you are going to have a caption, it should say rest in peace. Undertaker's Instagram is going to get very big whenever a famous person dies. Because that hashtag RIP... It's going to be on every photo that The Undertaker publishes. So, uh, yes... Congratulations to The Undertaker for joining the world of social media. Uh, If you're not dead inside already, social media will make sure that you are dead inside. The Undertaker is truly about to become the dead man by dealing with everybody who's going to be leaving comments on his Instagram page. So congratulations, The Undertaker. You may have made a huge mistake. Uh, If anybody can squeeze the power of the urn, or squeeze out the power from the urn, it's people on Instagram. Congrats, Undertaker. I'm glad that you're here. I'm going to follow you, you know. I mean, hell, I created an Instagram for my shoes, not shoes underscore IG. I'm a fan of Instagram, but it's interesting to see the Undertaker there. That's all. I'm, I'm, I'm very anxious to see how he feels about it and what he makes of it. It should be a good time, though. It should be a great time. All right, let's get in to the top five stories of the week. First, we go to story number five, a story that broke at the the day this is being recorded. I record on Wednesday. uh, And this Wednesday, we found out that Vader had passed away. Of course, Big Van Vader, uh, a staple of early 90s WCW. Before that, he he became huge, just a giant uh, heel in Japan. And then, of course, had a pretty memorable run in WWE. So I first became of the man they call Vader when he was Big Van Vader in WCW. You know, it was probably like 92. So I was like nine, eight, nine years old. A little young. Hadn't really gotten into the Japan stuff yet. Wasn't a tape trader yet. So I was just kind of exploring this large world of pro wrestling. And I was a WWF kid. And Vader shows up. And He was just the man. You look at the stuff Vader was doing in WCW, and you keep in mind that most of the people that were exposed to WCW in 92 were the people who had learned what wrestling was by watching WWE and seeing that style. When Vader came out, it felt, it looked, it smelled real. It, 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 it all of a sudden was a totally different style. You had this giant mastodon come to the ring with a smoking steel helmet that stretched across his entire massive frame. I mean, he must have been seven feet across. 
And that's how big this steel mask was that he wore. He would put it down on the entrance ramp ramp, and he would walk in. And you'd be sitting there going, how is Sting going to overcome this guy? How on earth is Sting going to beat Vader? As a WWE kid, there weren't many guys, WCW originals, that I liked. I liked Vader. I liked Cactus Jack. And that's because they felt so different. So you can only imagine how excited I was when Vader and Cactus Jack started this storyline that really ended up giving Mick Foley a lot of memorable moments. Of course, he was in the match with Vader when his head got stuck in the ropes and his uh, ear ended up getting torn from his head was Mick Foley. Uh, the, the match from WCW Saturday Night that I think is on one of the Mick Foley DVDs uh, between he and Vader was so brutal and really ahead of its time. It was an Attitude Era style match uh, a couple years before anything like the Attitude Era had started. And it ended with the storyline of Cactus Jack going away for a while and having amnesia and then eventually returning and his amnesia went away. But with Vader... You believed stuff, even the ridiculousness. Somehow, Vader was able to go through a series of vignettes, like the White Castle of Doom, with a little person shark swimming in the water and everything. I mean, those WCW mini-movies that they did were about the lamest things that you have ever seen in the world of wrestling. But Vader somehow did not lose credibility. That's how good Vader was. Vader could star in the White Castle of Doom and still come out the other end as a credible, intimidating opponent. Of course, he held the WCW world title. I believe he he ended up losing it to Ron Simmons, but he was a real, incredible champion. I mean, this was a guy that would have these matches where you'd go, I don't don't know who's going to beat this guy. I was very excited when he showed up in WWE. You know, his WWE run did not go like it should have. But first... More than half, almost the first three quarters of 1996, was really awesome for Vader. He shows up at the Royal Rumble, and a big deal is made out of him. You know, he's not repackaged. He's not given a new gimmick. It's Vader, the Vader that we all know from WCW, from Japan. The Vader that has torn opponents apart is now here in WWE. And he comes out the night after the Royal Rumble. And he puts hands on Gorilla Monsoon. Now, as long as Gorilla Monsoon had been the commissioner, which he was at the time of WWE, and before that, as long as Gorilla Monsoon had been a commentator, no one had ever put hands on Gorilla Monsoon. This was at a time where putting hands on authority figures was very, very rare. But literally, since he stepped down from his role as a wrestler, Nobody had put hands on Gorilla Monsoon. And not only does Vader put hands on him, but he Vader bombs him and takes Gorilla Monsoon out of the picture altogether. Incredible. Incredible. I was on board with Vader. I really wish the Vader run had continued because I was on board when it was Vader versus Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam. I was excited. Shawn Michaels, when has he ever had to go toe-to-toe with a villain like this, with a monster like this? You know, I mean, I, we'd never seen anything like Vader. And I'll tell you why. Because he was this massive man, but the athleticism was unbelievable. You know, I would put Vader on. When you talk about best big men of all time, Vader is very high on the list. I would actually put Vader even above Bam Bam Bigelow. And Bam Bam Bigelow is one of my favorites of all time. 
especially in terms of big men. Vader was to the early nine, early and mid nineties, what Braun Strowman is now, except he was a bad guy, and he was a scary bad guy, and he legit kicked the crap out of people. Except in Beyond the Mat, he's working on his real estate degree and he's wearing a gold watch. But beyond that, if you're not watching Beyond the Mat, if you're just watching his in-ring performances, my God, was he impressive. Such a Vader fan for a long, long time. And I was always, I was, I, I was bummed out with the way his WWE run went. And, and, you know, who knows? You know, was that because WWE didn't use him right? Was that because he wasn't in good shape anymore? He couldn't go like he used to go? Maybe he was... Uh, uh, past his prime early who knows who knows what went down I don't I wasn't there but what I can tell you is the beginning of his WWE run was incredible his entire WCW run was amazing stuff he did in Japan was amazing you go back and watch it now I mean it takes a lot for that era when you have a character watch WCW in 1992 and you tell me how many of the characters not the athletes because there are plenty of athletes in WCW in 1992 that would go on to do great things. You had Steve Austin there. You had Mick Foley there. You had all these guys, right? But how many characters, how many characters could you pluck out of WCW in 1992 and place into WWE in 2018 and have them be just as, if not more, effective? Because I'll tell you right now, if it was 1991 and Vader got into a time machine and showed up on Monday Night Raw next week, people would go nuts for him. If he were the Vader of old, people would go nuts for him. He's still, Vader, the character of Vader may age better than just about any character on TV. You could watch Vader now. Same thing happens for Stone Cold. And Vader, of course, I'm not putting him on a level of Stone Cold. But when you watch Stone Cold, when you watch The Rock, when you watch those guys, the biggest characters in history, you watch those characters and you're like, man, those are cool even now. Vader is in that category. And that category was way smaller in the early 90s as opposed to the mid to late 90s. And Vader is in that category. I just, plus, let's be honest. Anybody that's around my age, let's not pretend that we don't love the episodes of Boy Meets World that Vader popped up in. Remember, he was Frankie's dad. He had the match with Jake the Snake Roberts and Corey and Topanga had to go like from the wrestling thing to the other thing to the other thing. And then he was wrestling Jake the Snake Roberts. And then at the very end of the show, Vader's in the ring and Corey and Topanga are dancing together in the ring. Awesome, awesome stuff. So rest in peace, Vader, gone too soon. Um, and and I, I'm really happy at, at the outpouring of support that he got today and that people are remembering him as one of the great big men ever because he really, really was. Uh, let's get in uh, to story number four, which is a character that is lost, but of course not not the man himself. Big Cass was released from WWE this week. Kind of a shock. You know, a lot of people speculating as to what exactly happened, but, um, and I don't know. You know, I saw Big Cass on Sunday, I said hello to him. I didn't have a long conversation with him. Big Cass has always been very good to me. I've uh, really enjoyed every interaction I've ever had with him. We've we've had many a conversation. He's been on the podcast before. We've had conversations that haven't been recorded. Uh, Big Cass is, as far as I've ever known, an awesome dude. 
I'm a big fan of Big Cass and of the guy himself. He's just a good guy. So I was pretty surprised. You know, there was a, a rumor a while back, a few weeks, maybe a month ago, that the segment on Raw, when I mean on SmackDown, when Big Cass beat up a little person, that Big Cass was not supposed to beat up the little person. He was not supposed to pummel the little person when the guy when when the dude went down on the mat. He was supposed to knock him out once, and that was it. Big Cass went and asked permission. This is all rumor. Big Cass went and asked permission from Vince McMahon and the bosses. Hey, can I pummel this 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 little guy? And Vince McMahon said, No, 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 you can't do that. And Big Cass did it anyway, under the guise of better to ask forgiveness than ask permission. Well, I tell you, if that's true, you can't ask for forgiveness already after you've already asked for, for, for permission. If somebody asks me for permission and I say no, and then they do it anyway and ask for forgiveness, I'm going to go, hey, up yours, man. You already asked me for permission. You have to do permission or forgiveness, not and forgiveness. It's not easier. You would say, well, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Okay, I'd rather ask for forgiveness and permission. No, you can't do that ever. It doesn't make any sense. So if that story is true, um, I can see why WWE would be upset with him. But, you know, I also wouldn't see why it would take weeks to get all this done if they're going to let him go abruptly. Now, it says they came to terms with their release. There was no wish him the best uh, in his future endeavors. He did not get the future endeavor mentioned. All it said was they'd come to terms on the release that, that William, whatever his last name is, and WWE had come to terms on the release. And, you know, Big Cass was not in WWE anymore. You know, you did leave money in the bank with the question, what's next for Big Cass? Because Daniel Bryan beat him, and it's like he just came back from his injury. You know, what's next? Um, so I guess we know the answer to that. Uh, I hope that if this was an issue with Big Cass having a bad attitude, that he gets that fixed because I just think that he's got a ton of potential. Um, I also hope that he starts doing indies because a seven-foot guy on the indies who's young and who can wrestle and, you know, who's got this WWE experience, there's it's a lot of value for him on the indies. So I would definitely keep doing that if I were Big Cass. But it really is amazing when you think about the Enzo and Cass tag team. Enzo and Big Cass were supposed to be the tag team of tag teams. They were the most popular tag team in NXT for so long. When they got to the main roster, they were going to take the whole thing over. And somehow, the only titles in all of NXT and WWE that Enzo and Big Cass have combined is the Cruiserweight Championship that Enzo held. Big Cass never held a title. Enzo and Cass together never had tag team gold in NXT or WWE on the main roster. So I don't know. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe he came back from his injury a different guy. I, you know, maybe he didn't like what was going on. I don't know what went on with Big Cass. It's really disappointing when stuff like that happens, though, especially for a guy like Big Cass because there's just a lot of upside with him. A lot of upside. And hopefully, because he's young, whatever mistakes were made on either side can be corrected and at some point Big Cass can come back because, you know, I don't see Enzo ever coming back. And it's just really, it's really disappointing to see a tag team with that much potential 
end this way because the legacy is not good for Enzo and Cass. You know, it's like it's just another case of uh, squandered potential. And I don't think when we look back on this that it will be like, oh, they came up from the, from NXT and WWE didn't know what to do with them. It'll kind of be like, look, they screwed up. You know, Enzo just went out of his way to make no friends. And I, who knows what happened with Big Cass? Who knows? But I'm, uh, I hope for the best for him. And I really do hope that he, he explores the indies out there and, and becomes an even better wrestler. Hopefully he does. I have a t-shirt that, uh, you know, I went to a, well, I forget which pay-per-view it was, but Big Cass threw his t-shirt out into the crowd and one of the people that I was with caught it and gave it to me because she didn't want it. She's not a wrestling fan. So I have this certified G Big Cass ring-worn t-shirt down here in the studio, but number one, Big Cass isn't in the company anymore, and number two, certified G is like kind of creepy now because of the way Enzo left the company. So I don't know what to do with this piece of ring-worn memorabilia. It's disappointing for me, mainly because of the memorabilia thing. Disappointing. Uh, let's go to number three. Story number three is all about me, my theories, and my God. If you're watching Raw this week, if WWE... Now, I did not get my picks for Money in the Bank entirely correct, um, but I don't know how passionate I was about those. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you what I did get correct at Money in the Bank. Watch that pay-per-view. How does that pay-per-view end? Before you get into the Hardy Boys documentary, how did Money in the Bank end? With Braun Strowman holding the briefcase above his head like a hero. I've been saying that whether Vince McMahon will admit it or not, the love affair with Braun Strowman has been going on for quite some time. You know, I came out of, 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 of uh, uh, Money in the Bank now I'm having this conversation with Peter Rosenberg. And Peter Rosenberg's like, what do you do with Roman Reigns right now, you know? I mean, the fans are just not responding. What's going on with Roman Reigns is not really working. I said, what difference does it make? Roman Reigns ain't the guy. Everybody's like, oh, we got to give up on the Roman Reigns experiment. Open your eyes. It's over. It's been given up on. I don't care if Roman Reigns gets another title shot. I don't care if Roman Reigns is the guy who takes the title from Brock Lesnar. Anybody that's watching this show, if you... You should pay more attention to the show than you do to the newsletters. If you pay more attention to watching Raw than to reading what is reported on wrestling websites, you will see what I see. And that is the fact that the person making the decisions clearly values Braun Strowman above all else. Whether he will admit it or not, it's the girlfriend theory. Look it up on YouTube. You don't even have to scan through podcasts to find it. I've said it over and over again. When you're in a relationship and you know that relationship is not working, but you, but you love the girl, you don't want to ruin things, it's been your life, you would commit it. You said, no, this is the girl for me. You know in your heart that it's not. Something happened along the way and now it's not, but you won't give up on that, but you're spending all your time talking to this other girl. Whether you'll admit it or not, you are in love with the other girl and you know that the first girl is not for you. And sometimes it takes three months, six months, a year 
to fully come to terms with the fact that the girl who's your best friend, that's the one that you belong with. Listen to the Taylor Swift song. You belong with me. Right? What's that song go? She wears short skirts. I wear t-shirts. She's cheer captain. And I'm in the bleachers. Guess what? Braun Strowman's in the bleachers. And Vince McMahon is looking there. He's not looking at the short skirts of Roman Reigns anymore. He's looking at the t-shirts of Braun Strowman. Vince McMahon is going to wake up and find that what he's looking for has been here the whole time. Braun Strowman is already in the driver's seat. Okay? And my theory was proven 100% correct by the fact that the money in the bank pay-per-view Okay, you could have ended it with various different matches. You could have ended it with Roman Reigns on top. You did a backlash and it didn't work. What did you decide to do? You decided to end it with the men's money in the bank match. And instead of giving it to a heel, instead of giving it to a character that normally wouldn't get a title shot to make it compelling, you give it to the most unbeatable guy on your roster, Braun Strowman. Why? So that Braun Strowman can have a trophy that he can hold over his head to end another pay-per-view with. It might as well be the Universal Championship and Brock Lesnar. Braun Strowman is your guy. Now, we get to Roman Reigns, and I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, the match you need to have is Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns. They, they, They announce that at Extreme Rules, uh, uh, there's going to be a multi-person match to find out who's going to wrestle Brock Lesnar next and Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns are both in it. For some reason, Roman Reigns does not have a problem with the fact that there's going to be a multi-person match. Roman Reigns has been marching around announcing himself as the uncrowned champion. Roman Reigns has been walking around saying that he was screwed, he was cheated, he won the match, he should be the champion. If that's who Roman Reigns is, he should not accept a multi-person match. Based on what Roman Reigns said at the beginning of his promo on Raw, he should be extremely unhappy with the fact that Kurt Angle decided to announce there's going to be a multi-person match to find out who Brock Lesnar is going to face at SummerSlam because Roman should be sitting there going, what are you talking about multi-person match? I'm the uncrowned champion. It should be mine anyway. That should be Roman Reigns' philosophy, but... The tension started to get built between the two guys that I had said from the beginning it should be building between, Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. Bobby Lashley saying, I can beat Brock Lesnar, you can't. Roman Reigns having to remind Bobby Lashley he's the big dog and this new dog can't be barking in his yard. Put Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns together and that's what you do, right? Sometimes when you're in a bad relationship, you look for a new dude for your girlfriend to hang out with so that you can go with the girl that you know you're supposed to be with. Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley, you guys go over here while Vince McMahon can spend his time with Braun Strowman. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. And as the weeks continue, you're going to continue to see that, like usual, the last professional broadcaster is right about this one. Braun Strowman is the guy. He's the next guy. He already is. He always has been. He's already there. He's already there. There's no, well, when are you going to pull the trigger? It's Pulled. The bullet is firing. It is going through the air right now. Roman Reigns is doing that matrix duck, but the bullet's been fired. The trigger's been pulled. Braun Strowman is already the guy, and it's clear. All you have to do is watch the show.
and you can tell exactly who the number one guy on that show is. And the answer is Braun Strowman. Trust me when I tell you. I was right when I told you Braun Strowman is a good guy. I'm right this time. I'm always right. I'm the last professional broadcaster. My name's Sam Roberts. Story number two is somebody who is quickly becoming the most valuable person on the WWE roster. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronda Rousey. Oh my God. Where has this person been? Do Have we figured out the formula now? Okay. The entire lead up to WrestleMania, people were going like, ooh, I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. WrestleMania happens, and it is looked back on as the best match on the show. Oh my God. Did you see what Ronda Rousey did? That's the way people reacted to it, okay? Now we got a singles match at Money in the Bank with Nia Jax. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if she's going to do a singles match. It'll probably be quick. I don't think she has it in her. Oh, my God. Not only is she judo flipping Nia Jax, which is just amazing feat. Her fighting looks real. It's a completely new style. And she's selling like all get up. Have you seen the way she sold? I mean, this chick took punishment. I think she's got to learn to not hit her head so much, but maybe she wasn't hitting her head that much. Maybe she's just really, really good and making stuff look painful. Or she's getting hurt. Either way, she creates a compelling match. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax was a great match at Money in the Bank. And as if that wasn't enough, she gives us the best Raw opening segment in months. Months. I mean, to the point where I was showing that opening segment of Raw to people who don't watch wrestling, who think it's dumb. Like captive audience people. I was showing it to people who don't watch wrestling. And when they saw her judo flip, Kurt Angle, I mean, oh my God. Whoa, that was awesome. Ronda Rousey is the type of person you've been waiting for. And they're doing the suspension angle with her clearly because she's not going to be ready for the next pay-per-view. But, and when I say ready, I mean not going to be on the next pay-per-view. I don't know if she, you know, I, I, I'm not attributing her readiness to her. You know, I don't know. Obviously, she's ready for whatever she signs up for because she's just killed every time. She's just been immaculate every single time she steps in there. Um, you know, I think she is the female answer to Brock Lesnar, except maybe even better because it seems like she's going to be much more a part of the company. It seems like she's going to be wrestling more. She's certainly younger, you know, and she also is human. Brock Lesnar is bigger than everybody. He's this monster guy. He's got one style. Ronda Rousey is actually going to be able to show some vulnerability to get in there and wrestle and be a character. And I just think, I just think it's so cool. She's going to be wrestling at Madison Square Garden in July. So much for the 30 days. She's going to be in Australia with the company. I'm sure she'll get her title match at SummerSlam. It'll be interesting if it's against Alexa Bliss. That's a really interesting matchup. You know, Alexa Bliss is just so terrific in that ring. Alexa Bliss is just such an amazing, she's a great character. She's great on the mic. Her matches are awesome. That that'll really be interesting. Um, I also think that we need to analyze what exactly is going on with uh, Natty. Natty is going to fit into this somewhere. There's no doubt in my mind. They haven't just wasted all that time. Natty is going to fit into this somewhere, whether it's Maybe Ronda Rousey is going to win the women's championship at 
SummerSlam and then Natty's going to turn around and want a title shot and betray her or, or whatever it is. But it really seems like Ronda Rousey is going to be part of the day-to-day storylines of WWE. And I, I can't imagine what a value that's going to bring to the show. Because mainstream cares about Ronda Rousey and now wrestling fans care about Ronda Rousey. I want to see, if you tell me Ronda Rousey is going to be on the show after the break. I'm sticking around because her segments are that good. Now, hopefully she's going to be judo flipping somebody because her physicality is where it's at. But regardless, I'm sticking around because Ronda Rousey is here. She's compelling. She's awesome. Some people think she's going to end up being a better wrestler than she was an MMA fighter. And that's a big possibility. That's, that there's, there's huge potential for that. She's got a lot of time to become better and better and better in a WWE ring. And a lot of time to do a lot of stuff to really make her mark in the industry. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Ron, seeing Ronda Rousey do this well just makes me happy for the state of the industry. Just makes me happy for wrestling in general. It's a good, good thing. And uh, I can't wait till Mattel puts out a Ronda Rousey figure. I just, I just think the world of everything that Ronda Rousey is doing with WWE right now. It's amazing. It's one of the best signings in a long time. It's you, you can't say enough good about Ronda Rousey, in my humble and personal opinion. Story number one this week is what Extreme Rules is looking like. So Extreme Rules has a lot less time between it and Money in the Bank than Money in the Bank and Backlash. Money in the Bank had a nice six-week build, I believe. And Extreme Rules, uh, only four weeks. I believe it's it might be three weeks from Sunday already. Yeah, I think I think it is. Only three weeks. Then we've got another, I think, six-week build before SummerSlam. Which, by the way, I'm going to start where I'll be able to make announcements about potential live events very soon. Very soon for SummerSlam. So uh, hopefully next week I'll drop some some bombs about what we're doing in terms of live shows SummerSlam weekend. But let's talk about Extreme Rules. They're already shaping it up. So obviously Brock Lesnar is not going to be on this show either. It's a big gap. That means it's a bigger gap than last year. Last year's July pay-per-view was uh, Great Balls of Fire. We're already a year removed from Great Balls of Fire, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the night that Brock Lesnar took on Samoa Joe. We're doing less Brock Lesnar matches, it would appear, and I guess that's part of the contract that he signed after WrestleMania. But um, I'm sure he's going to be at SummerSlam. But at SummerSlam, you had, you know, you had WrestleMania, and then two weeks later, you had the Greatest Royal Rumble, which puts us mid-April. But that means we're going from mid-April all the way to August. That's April, May, June, July. Four months. That's a hell of a long time. Thank God these pay-per-views are co-branded. Like, I think Backlash suffered because it didn't have a universal title match. I think Money in the Bank, we were lucky because we have a WWE Championship match and we had two Money in the Bank matches and a Ronda Rousey Women's Championship match. So we were able to skirt without the universal title. You know, I think Extreme Rules is going to be interesting. Rusev versus AJ Styles. First of all, I thought that the gauntlet match was probably the best gauntlet match I've ever seen. Just the psychology that was used in that gauntlet match was perfect. You know, I thought that the Daniel Bryan, anybody that's questioning, because I was sitting there going like, hmm, I wonder if the reason they're not doing that much with Daniel Bryan is because his contract is up, I think, in September and maybe he hasn't committed to coming back. Maybe they don't know if he's if, if he's going to be there or not. And 
after SmackDown this week, you know, I, I think that whether they know or not, they're certainly doing the right thing by him because he looked like a million dollars coming out of that. You know, the fact that the the that him and Big E together, and I think Big E really, really showed what he's bringing to the table on SmackDown this week in the first match of that gauntlet match. That's so much, so much from Big E was impressive in that match. You know, I think that once the New Day does split up, uh, Big E, I would change the haircut, I would change the gear, you know, do kind of a 180, but I think Big E has a ton to offer, a ton to offer. Um, so you've got that. You got, uh, uh, you got yeah, yes, the gauntlet match. Um, and then having Daniel Bryan beat Samoa Joe by can- count out, I think was brilliant. I was sitting there going like, are they going to really waste the Miz and Daniel Bryan in a gauntlet match? But instead, the Bludgeon Brothers interference into the Miz skull fr- crushing finale, all it does, even though the Miz and Daniel Bryan have now touched, all it does is add fuel to the fire for the eventual Miz-Daniel Bryan match, which I'm so glad that they're still waiting on. So glad. That may be what we see at SummerSlam. My preference, WrestleMania in a championship match. Um, so Rusev ends up beating The Miz, though. I was really... I'm ready for The Miz to beat AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. Now, hear me out on this thing, because AJ Styles is basically my favorite wrestler right now. Cover guy, uh, cover boy for 2K19, the video game, which is a big deal. You know, there were people that thought, like, Ronda Rousey would be on the cover. You could p- put Brock Lesnar on the cover. You could do another John Cena year. But they go with AJ Styles, which I think is a bold move and the right move, because AJ Styles is just tremendous. But... You know, I, I, I do think he's been champion for something like 225 days. And, you know, I, I think that The Miz hasn't had that much of a storyline since coming back to SmackDown. And it's insane. Why take the Intercontinental title off of him and why bring him to SmackDown if it's not to become the WWE champion? Honestly, I was advocating, go back in the podcasts. I was advocating for The Miz to be the WWE champion before he left SmackDown, before the last Superstar shakeup. So the only reason for him to be on SmackDown right now is to not only be competing for, but to be the WWE champion. I would have The Miz win that gauntlet match, go to Extreme Rules, beat AJ Styles for the, w- for the WWE Championship, have the rematch at SummerSlam where we think AJ Styles is going to be triumphant and have The Miz beat AJ Styles at SummerSlam. Ride him out until the Royal Rumble, Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble. You know, something like that. Or Daniel Bryan wins Elimination Chamber, whatever you, whatever you do. Whatever you want to do to get to Daniel Bryan and The Miz finally for the WWE Championship this year at WrestleMania. But... They're doing Rusev versus AJ Styles, which I'm not mad at. You know, I think it's, you talk about bold moves. Everywhere you go, you're getting Rusev Day chance. Now the question becomes, are the fans cheering for Rusev or are they cheering for the novelty of Rusev Day, right? Is this what they're looking for or do they just like chanting Rusev Day? How much do people want to see CM Punk come back and how much do they like chanting CM Punk? It's that type of a thing. You know, how much do they love Rusev and how much are they trying to pop themselves? That's the big question. And 
to have a show where you don't... I, I think that the Rusev-AJ Styles match would have fit better on a show where you've got a Brock Lesnar Universal Championship match. Because Rusev hasn't been booked as this, like, destroyer guy. Now, had some great spots in Money in the Bank where he put that camel clutch or whatever it's called on, like, three guys at the same time. You know, definitely had some great moments. Is on a great run. But he's not the sort of unbeatable guy who strikes fear into the hearts of his opponents that he was leading into WrestleMania, what was it, 32, 31? I think 31 when he when he wrestled John Cena, when he was heel, heel, heel Rusev. You know, the the still the, the peak of what he's done in WWE. Um so you know, I I, I probably would have liked and you know, you got three weeks, so you could still do it. But I probably would have liked for the investment to be made a little bit more in the Rusev character as you led to a world title match. I also think that Rusev is a good guy. People are going to cheer Rusev. So it's going to be tough because people like to cheer Rusev and AJ Styles. Uh, And I also think that people kind of know that Rusev's not going to win the WWE Championship. I mean, based on the WWE in 2018, he honestly might just to throw a curveball at people. But I don't think so. So... You know, I, I I like it. I'm interested in it. But I would have preferred having The Miz versus AJ Styles at Extreme Rules. I think The Miz versus AJ Styles is a match that you can kind of say, well, that's that's a main event level match. AJ Styles versus Rusev, I don't know. You got some building to do before you've convinced me that that's a main event level match. Um, you're also going to have the multi-person match, which we talked about a little bit uh, before. You know, we, 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 we talked about it with Roman Reigns uh, leading up to this. And then, of course, you've got uh, what was announced on Raw, which is the, uh, the, the fight to see who gets to face Ronda Rousey next. So we're not, uh, not going to have Ronda Rousey on the pay-per-view, clearly because she's uh, 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 suspended, which I think is a good storyline. It's good to have a storyline leading to uh, or, or explaining why Ronda Rousey is not on the show. It's good to have a storyline as opposed to Brock Lesnar, who's just not on the show. I think that having Ronda Rousey suspended maintains her as a good guy. It makes it so we're not so, you know, oh, Ronda Rousey should be here. It's like, okay, well, storyline, she's suspended. So I can deal with the fact that storyline she's suspended, you know? Um, But again, now you're left with, for Raw, the Universal title and the women's title not going to be on the line at Extreme Rules. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Am I crazy? Why did I think Ronda Rousey was the Raw women's champion? You got Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax for the women's champion. Right. I guess because... What we're waiting for is to see who's going to get... It still feels like a place filler. I'm sorry. I, I, I totally had a brain fart there as I was talking. I guess because the Ronda Rousey match is the match that we're so looking forward to that we forget. Alexa Bliss cashed in and is the women's champion. So we will have that women's championship match, but still not having Ronda Rousey on the pay-per-view. Okay, that's that's more what I was getting at. You've got Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax for the women's uh, championship. You know, by the way, Dolph Ziggler too. I don't know what's going to happen with Dolph Ziggler, but I was very, very shocked to see him win the Intercontinental Championship. We'll get more into Extreme Rules as the weeks go on. I apologize uh, for my slip of the tongue. I was just going on, I was just like uh, uh, rambling. 
about <laughs> Ronda Rousey being the Raw Women's Champion. It's late. I got a lot on my plate. That's my cue to sign off, though. Uh, keep up with everything going on on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Follow us at NotSam.com and at NotSam across all forms of social media. We're going to be transitioning this here podcast from Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast into Not Sam Wrestling as the weeks progress. Thank you all for being a part of the show once again, and we will see you next week right here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.